All right, Crypt Nation. All right, Crypt Nation. You guys know what time it is. It is time to go register for the free online summit that we are hosting called Crypto 2020 Summit. You could go to Crypto2020Summit.com. It is going to be the single largest crypto event of the year. Hands down, we got well over 60 speakers already uh, signed up to speak and present on their predictions for 2020. So if you guys don't want to miss out on all the big trends, this is a free event. It's online. You could watch it from the comfort of your own home. Go to Crypto2020Summit.com and register today. All right. What's up, everybody? I hope you guys are having a wonderful morning, noon, and or night, because wherever you are, you're in the right place. Isn't that right, Pete's? Because you are here at Crypto 101, and we are helping people chase their dreams, meet their goals, and live the lives that uh, they deserve. And helping us do that today is Kendrick, the founder and CEO of Republic. Yes, Kendrick Wynn, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thank you so much, Jens. Uh, thanks for having me. And, you know, I, I first want to say thank you for staying up so late. I know you're over in London. Uh, it's about 11 o'clock over there. We're here in sunny San Diego. The sun is still up. It's three o'clock. And, uh, you know, thank you for, for making making things work. Oh, I love your show. <laughs> and uh, really an honor to uh, to be on it. Awesome. And, you know, it was a lot of fun having a drink with you when I was up in San Francisco. Uh, that was a pretty fun party. Really good turnout. It seemed like it was years ago or months ago, but it was just last week, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how fast time flies here in, in the crypto world and Crypt Nation that we call it. Yeah. So give us the uh, the high level on Republic. This is one of the most interesting projects that I've come across because it spans more than just crypto. Um, so tell the good people of Crypt Nation here what problems you're trying to solve with Republic. But before you do that, if, in case they want to watch along with you, the website is republic.co. So if you want to type that in and look over while Kendrick explains it, republic.co. So Republic is an investment platform uh, that's open to anyone regardless of income or net worth. And the interesting thing here is that until very recently, a couple of years ago, you got to be a millionaire to buy private securities, buying private stock. So the law changed. And that's law, right? That, that was like some type of regulation where you had to have a, a certain net worth or a certain you know, uh, income? Yep, yep. You know, it traces back to the Great Depression uh, when, when there was so much uh, wrongdoings in the market that, you know, Congress basically made it so that if you're a millionaire, they assume that you are sophisticated, quote, quote, uh, and that you can invest at ease. And if you're not, then companies got to go through the process of filing for IPO, of going public, which is an incredibly expensive process to do. So out of that, for 80 years, you have you end up having an ecosystem whereby only venture capitalists and the ultra wealthy can invest private companies. And by the time a company like WeWork or Uber go IPO, much of the upside potential has already been exhausted. And then retail people just get a little bit of that tail end. And the law changed a couple of years ago that allow anyone to invest early. So we launched on that thesis. Uh, and in the blockchain crypto space, in under U.S. law, most new tokens are considered 
private securities. So unless you go through a platform like Republic, you do operate in a very gray area of the law. And we can can go in depth on that later. But in short, we're an investment platform that company can fundraise from uh, everyday folks as well as family offices and institutional. Uh, today, we've uh, helped over 150 companies raise out of about seven or 8,000 applications. Uh, and we've done some of the very first uh, token sale compliantly in the US. Well, that's amazing. So so I think what I'm hearing is that if if anybody listening out here has an extra $100 or so, I mean, I don't know if there's a minimum, but you could go on republic.co, look through all the projects, and you could get equity in these companies, in these startups. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, if anyone with $100 that they don't need tomorrow or next month uh, you know, to buy things with, to, to, to buy uh, lunch or dinner, uh, and that they want to invest, I would recommend that they invest into 10 deals, $10 each on Republic. And some of the deals do take uh, investments as, as low as $10. That's phenomenal. So for the cost of a night out of drinking, if you can, you know, there's a lot of people that are alcoholics in recovery, <laughs> but not only can you recover health wise, but your financial future can recover as well. If you simply apply that money and diversify it into different investments on republic.com. 100%. You know, I call it invest in your future self. You go back a little bit and imagine that you were classmates of uh, Mark Zuckerberg at Harvard uh, at the time, assuming for just for a moment here, at the time it wasn't legal, but had it been legal for you to invest in your doormate startup, it's literally the price of like a pitcher of beer. And if you put 10 or $20 into your buddy Mark's company, not only that now is a lot of money, but more importantly, you can go on and be you know an astronaut, a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, and still have one foot in entrepreneurship and perhaps would come back and add that expertise in, in that different way. I want to jump a little bit on why blockchain is very relevant here. It's possible, oh, please do. It's possible for you, for example, Bryce, now to invest $10 on Republic if you're in the U.S. because you have a credit card and you have a bank account and Republic is like covering a lot of that fees. But if you're someone in China or in Russia or France, you know, people can't, to do a wire a bank wire, if you send $10 through an international wire, the fee is like 40 bucks. So it's like the, 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 it doesn't make economic sense to do that with normal banking system uh, to do micro investing. But if you make a $10 investment uh, with ETH or Stellar or Ripple or any of these uh, many cryptocurrency, the transaction cost is so low that it would enable international micro investment at as low as a dollar or two. And that's the goal that we hope to get to at one point in the future, in the near future. So what's the difference between Republic.co and let's say GoFundMe or Indiegogo or even Kickstarter? Yeah. Um, so the term crowdfunding uh, means many things. Uh, think of GoFundMe as just donation, right? Which is, you know, most of us have done some form of donation. Uh, Kickstarter is just buying a product or buying a product that hasn't existed yet, which is also something that almost everyone has done. A republic, when it comes to micro-investing, that is having an, a skin in the game, a stake in businesses that you believe in. If the business does well, you have a multiple of 
of what you put in. And if the business doesn't do well, will you lose everything? That world of micro private investing um, today, 99.9% of the world has never done, has never done it before. Uh, but the potential of it, once 20%, 30% participate, uh, I really think will literally change the world by empowering that many more business ideas to see the light of day, to have the capital that they need and grow into the next fill in the blank, Airbnb, Uber, uh, AngelList, Google, what have you. No, I love that perspective because, I mean, it really opens up the doors to all sorts of different entrepreneurial creativities that have been restrained by the systems and by the regulations that have always been in place. And now that there's a platform like yours where, you know, me and Pizza Mind can come up with a little business idea and say, well, well, crap, we can't start it until we have $100,000. Well, where are we going to go raise that money? Now we could go to a platform like Republic uh, and not only raise the money, but if our platform you know, benefits from a network effect or our business benefits from a network effect, we now have money from you know not just one strategic investment advisor, one you know private equity bank, but hundreds, if not thousands of investors that are going to be using our product upon launch, right? I mean, that's what's so cool. And eventualizing for it. And I would love to use Crypto 101 as an example, which is, you know, I mean, yours is such a phenomenal um, platform. And assuming that you want to take it global and and grow into like the Oprah of crypto or, or the Tony Robbins or whatever you want to feel in. Yes, the and Oprah of crypto. That's going to be my new uh, Twitter handle, Bryce Paul Crypto 101, the Oprah of crypto. <laughs> Um, and you want to fundraise a million dollars because you think that you can build this platform and partner with, you know, all of these international network. And you want to raise that million dollars and say, hypothetically, you put your value right now, value Crypto 101, $5 million uh, as a business, and you raise this from your own audience. You may not even need to go out and knock on venture capitalists' doors because you have such a phenomenal network of people who know and believe in you. And if there are 10,000 people who put in $100 each, you not only get that capital, but they're going to go out. And now that they are no longer just you know a subscriber, a fan, now they have skin in the game. They're going to be telling their sister and brother and boyfriend and cousin and whatever else and be promoting Crypto 101 on social media. So the the, the value out of that community, uh, I think, is such an unusual, unique marketing value uh, proposition that we're going to see this uh, as a trend over time, you know, getting entrepreneurship as a share economy that, that you don't have to be an investor to invest, that stakeholders, including customers, will actually have a chance to have skin in the game. If any of our listeners have ideas for a startup, how would they take advantage of your platform to raise funds? Do you have a vetting process? We do. Um, you know, for now, we're actually more selective than Harvard in that uh, we got, you know, over eight, 9,000 applications to raise, and we've launched only about 150 companies. Uh, the reason is that, you know, not obviously we want to make sure that we select companies that we at Republic have conviction on, on, 
on the company's ability to realize that vision. Uh, and so but we do take pitch decks. We recommend that you know people just send us their information, their ideas, and we always provide some feedback. Uh, but not everyone uh, is suitable to launch a successful startup at any particular moment. So the goal for us on our end is to determine, do they have the resilience the domain expertise uh, and the team, um, the support to realize the vision that they're setting out to do. So that's really phenomenal. So Republic is not like a souped up version of ICO Bench. It's really, you guys are going through and picking out the cream of the crop and presenting investment opportunities that you guys yourselves feel comfortable in. Do you guys actually invest in the projects that you guys are putting out there? Yes, so by law, um, we a Republic has to treat all of the companies currently fundraising on Republic the same way. So our investment is in terms of time and effort, but we are going to be raising a fund next year, uh, and that fund will probably be investing across the board in every single deals that we launch and fundraise. To give you an example, most of the deals that have raised on Republic, we have put in more effort and marketing dollars than we receive as commission, uh, and that's our I'll bet in building an early ecosystem, um, but hopefully next year we'll be funding companies with actual capital from Republic as well. That's amazing. So, you know, I, w- I was doing some research on your site uh, before this um, recording, and I saw that there's six companies listed on Republic that have raised more than 10 times their goal. And that was extremely impressive. So they had their goal and they beat it by 10, 10x. And so, you know, and you've got such a unique vantage point because you see all these startups and you get to vet them. So tell me, what are some hallmarks of a successful startup um, that make it so that they exceed their funding goal? And, you know, how, how can we become that startup essentially? When it comes to fundraising and whether it's an ICO or a crowd invest campaign on Republic, I do think that building that community in advance of going out there is key. If you're aiming to raise a million dollars, you can't really just have a, you know, a group of like 20 friends who love your product and no one else has ever heard of it. You know, that's, that's going to be very difficult. So you got to set your expectation a little bit more realistic. But for most company that has already launched with some aspect of a community, uh, I think that the founding team's willingness to pound the pavement, to share the concept and why they're doing it with the entire contact list. That is, you know, if you have a girlfriend that you haven't seen, in t- an ex that you haven't seen in 10 years, some guy that you bought a sofa from five years ago, hit them up. They may very well be an investor and uh, an evangelist for what you do. So the willingness to follow our methodology, if a team follows precisely what we tell them to do and willing to do that, execute out to the letter, I guarantee that any company that launched on Republic would raise, at the very least, $150,000 if they follow what we do and fit our lens. And some of the companies will have the potential to raise a million dollars or more. That's amazing. I mean, so just to reiterate, there's just no substitute for hard work. And there's no substitute for boots on the ground 
And, you know, it's funny. It just kind of reminds me of a story uh, when both Uber and, B and, uh, and Airbnb, when they first started, you know, the founders of Uber were the very first Uber drivers. People forget that. Like they had this idea and they said, well, why don't we just test it with ourselves and make sure it works? And then we'll go out and hire drivers. And the same thing with Airbnb. It started with the founders of Airbnb, Airbnb in their house. Um, and so, you know, it, it, the point that you just made is like, look, you, you know, it doesn't, you have to be humble. You know, you have to say like, if I'm going to get people to believe in this business, then I'm going to have to go out there and, you know, put my money where my mouth is. So that's just a really good word. I, I appreciate you bringing that up because it, it reminded me of those two stories. You know, and if, uh, imagine if the early uh, Uber drivers were able to invest 10 or $20 in Uber. Uh, not only that now, obviously, they would be doing very well, but they would not go and drive for Lyft on the weekend, which is what happened <laughs> right. during the earlier phase. That's just, you know, the having skin in the game, everyone really partaking in building business ideas that they believe in, whether as customer or as founders, uh, I really think is is what's going to be uh, what's going to define uh, the next decade of entrepreneurship. And it's crazy, but do you realize that we now in the last two months of this decade, we have like six weeks left of of this decade. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh my! I did not even think about that. Six weeks left in this decade. Yeah. Wow, what have I been doing with my life? Well, <laughs> amazing. I mean, you're building this amazing, amazing community, and I'm so excited for for the next decade because I think uh, blockchain technology, in particular, will uh, the next probably three or four years, you will see more changes to to the world, but particularly the world of venture capital, of startup financing and business than you have seen in the past 20 years. Um, I really, if there's a way for me to put some money behind this projection, uh, I absolutely would. Uh, and the reason is that blockchain technology enable people around the world to participate small dollars almost instantaneously. That ability unlock this great wealth of capital that spread it very thin around all four corners of the world and activate them, drive them back into investment in, and into um, you know, wealth creation. That alone in and by itself, I hope um, in time will uh, you know, eradicate poverty once and for all just from the wealth that it generates. Absolutely. So, I mean, it, it just seems like this technology is too big to fail. And, you know, it's, it's, bridging together this global, I mean, this world that is increasingly global, now it's money that moves at the yeah. speed of life. Um, whereas money in the traditional sense, it's so slow and it takes three days to clear and yada, 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 and you only can send certain amounts and you got to ask somebody's permission. And with blockchain, it's like, boom, anywhere in the world, any amount of money to anybody. It's just a beautiful, And you know, even to, to, to verify things, for example, if you are going to buy uh, stock, um, or, or make a, uh, a large payment, uh, by law, the recipients or, or the middleman got to check who you are, known colloquially as KYC AML, know your customer and anti-money laundering. That process currently is highly manual. In about three to six months, that would be done 
on chain in a fraction of a second uh, and you'll be able to facilitate that transaction much quicker. It's just one of countless examples of processes being made more efficient and out of that unlocking value that's currently is lost or, or, or being captured uh, in, in between the, the two parties. So we talked about the amazing companies that are becoming very, very successful, but what are some common reasons that startups miss their target raise or miss being listed on the platform? Like maybe they're close, but they just didn't quite make the cut. Um, you know, I'll answer the, the first question first, which is a more generically as to why startup, um, you know, certain startups don't make it. Um, and I think timing, aside from like the usual things, which is do you have domain expertise? Is your team, your team committed uh, enough? I do want to highlight that I think in the ecosystem, uh, people overvalue, you know, uh, idea and, and, and expertise and grossly undervalue luck and good timing and being at the right place at the right time. So I do wanna wanna highlight that in my own opinion, the quote unquote failures out there that I have seen, um, um, a lot of them are just a, a function of timing. Um, as to success on running a campaign. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. On Republic, you know, today, uh, 90%, over 90%, I think it's like 93% of launches on Republic successfully meet their expectation. So we have a, in a single digit of failure. Uh, and that, you know, life happens, right? In one case, um, the founder got into a major car accident and we have to withdraw the uh, the campaign in the most unfortunate way. Um, and in other, you know, scenarios that the team doesn't have the, the bandwidth to push um, a marketing campaign or, or to do what we believe is necessary for the campaign to succeed uh, and that they themselves would withdraw the campaign. Uh, so I would say those are probably the two main reasons, not having enough bandwidth uh, or just 
unfortunate acts of God that affect uh, your business so that after you launch a Republic campaign and yet uh, do not adequately uh, fundraise. Yeah, those are phenomenal points, especially about timing. We saw so many ICOs in 2018 that were very promising, terrific teams, terrific ideas, but just the absolute worst time to try and fundraise. And a lot of that's still uh, true a lot this year. But um, do you, does uh, the future, the immediate future look a little bit brighter or are we still uh, very much in the dark in terms of fundraising? Uh, you you mean for blockchain projects or for yes startup anything that's trying to do an ICO or an IEO yeah I uh, well you know as all of us know we just got out of like a major crypto winter uh, and uh, uh, the 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 landscape of blockchain fundraising has changed so drastically you had ICO that you know went out of uh, fashion because of like compliant issues and you have IEO and then that too seems to like you know have lost some 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 luster um, but um, I really think that the, the industry is here uh, to last uh, most recently I think President Xi of China um, you know mentioned just really a couple sentences on the importance of blockchain technology. Uh, and I think just that alone um, will probably set the floor on what we're seeing in terms of, uh, of where the market is. It can only be uphill from here. Have those announcements from President Chi affected your business or any of your deal flow? You know, we have um, received inquiries from major players in China looking into the business, taking an interest, just that alone um, has given me so much comfort that that we have seen the floor in terms of of uh, you know that that crypto winter. Uh, so while I haven't seen a major boost, uh, obviously Bitcoin price has gone up. You know, almost responding to that that comment almost immediately. Uh, I'm sure there are other factors at, at play, but it remains today ever since uh, north of nine thousand. Uh, you know, uh, price which which is a high point, uh, and that it has sustained for that long. Uh, um, I, I do think that that we've seen that that bottom. That's a great uh, great insight. The fact that you know prior to these announcements from China the other week, uh, you know just normal daily life, and then after, boom, all these big investment banks and institutions from China start to see. Oh wait, hold up. We have a not only a uh, permission but a mandate now okay. from the CCP uh, to look at blockchain startups and invest. And uh, that's really cool, really cool insight. You know, and my personal belief is that what a major cause of the crypto winter in late 2018 until now has been the application of, of uh, regulations, of compliance to the crypto space. And that's inevitable. So with compliance and all of these requirements that people have to follow, you know, it basically made it much harder for, in, and I think that's a good thing, for projects to be raising money. You got to be really credible. You have to jump through all of these hoops. So the fear that of over-regulation um, has led to that fizzling out of, of, of this exuberant enthusiasm about, about crypto. And President Trump's uh, comment about Bitcoin about a few months ago um, also probably 
you know, further um, basically strengthen people's belief that overregulation will soon to come. So when you have the second largest economy in the world signaling from from their their president that, hey, businesses and companies, this is, you know, something real that you guys should be looking at, um, regulators naturally will take a friendlier look from that region. And I think there's going to be a cascading effect because what regulators don't understand, they're going to view negatively and they're going to regulate. The moment that the reason right. for them to view it more positively, there's going to be a little bit more leeway uh, for, for uh, you know, the private sector to, uh, to interact with. And I think we're actually starting to see a lot of that develop here in the states as well. Um, I know that you know Representative Patrick McHenry and Representative Warren Davidson uh, from Ohio and North Carolina, respectively. Uh, they are both preaching, you know, Bitcoin and blockchain and trying to do you know financial innovation acts and all sorts of stuff. So I think the time is coming where you know now American regulators are starting to get their heads out of their butts. Uh, excuse the language here, but they're starting to wake up and say, you know, there is a serious uh, technology here that we've been overlooking. A hundred percent. And I got to give a shout out to to uh, Congressman Patrick McHenry, who's really been like a champion of of innovations, first in the venture space back in like Angeles time and champion for the Jobs Act. You know, the law that I mentioned at the beginning that allow everyday people to to invest privately. He's one of like uh, one of the key forces behind it. Uh, and now also. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, uh, he he's just been incredible in terms of like uh, championing public. Uh, uh, you know, capital market and fund formation. And uh, the, the second one uh, is that the SEC, our own SEC, you know, even though they do take a very conservative view saying that most tokens are securities, if you look at actual enforcement action, I think that the SEC staff um, have been very pragmatic and they've taken a position of like, let's see how things play out. They really only have like slapped out clearly bad actors or like very big brand that are doing things clearly against their principle. But, you know, in between, I think they've given us a lot of leeway. That is very true. And that's one of the things that I've been talking to a lot of companies about saying, don't fear the SEC. If you're acting in good faith and you're doing the best you can and you're communicating with them, I believe that they are going to work with you. And if you do something that's wrong and they do need to punish you just to set, you know, some sort of justice and fairness and, you know, message to the rest of the world, okay, this action is not acceptable, the penalty of that is not going to be 20 years in prison. It's just going to be a moderate fine so they can say, okay, we did our job. But I mean, the fines that they've levied so far against crypto companies acting in good faith have been nothing more than a slap on the wrist. And crypto companies acting in bad faith, they've simply made them return the money that they've collected for the most part. So it's really a manageable situation. And I hope that as more rulings are dealt out, this will become a lot more clear to everyone and the fear will kind of subside. You know, in projects that are early in this stage of like fundraising, I do think that they should, they should, if they haven't already, pay close attention to compliance because if they take a position, let's say, for example, they're saying that like, hey, you know what, we're too small. The SEC is not going to get us, we're, you know, small potato and do a token offering in a way that's 
patently non-compliant. When they go out there and fundraise, if they gain traction and they approach an institutional investor, a VC, the VC will look at that. And if they love everything else, but they think that you have done things not in the most cultural way, thereby exposing yourself to regulatory risk, you may lose an important venture uh, investor uh, that that you otherwise should have. So uh, always, you know, basically do take compliance very seriously from day one. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to make a pra- pragmatic business risk on how much is too much to 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 pay um, to do, you know, a, a public offering as an example. eToro is one of the largest trading platforms in the world with over $1 trillion in trading volume on the platform every year. And they're some of our good friends and they're a great sponsor. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets and your fees are extremely transparent. So if you're not ready to trade yet, uh, you could also practice building your portfolio with the eToro virtual trading feature. They give you $100,000 of virtual money and you could start playing around with it and not have to risk any of your real money before you get comfortable with the markets. And best of all, you can connect with 12 million other eToro traders around the world, kind of like a social network for trading, to discuss charts and all things crypto. So go ahead, create an account today at eToro.com slash crypto 101. That helps us, that helps you, that helps them, and makes everything possible here if you guys use that link. So guys, start building your portfolio the smart way eToro is crypto trading made easy. All right, back to the show. So I kind of want to slowly transition the conversation over to um, you as a business builder personally. Um, And and I'm kind of curious, like, you know, this this isn't your first company that you've run. So have you ever failed a business? And kind of what are some red flags that signal maybe it's time to bail on a business? Oh, that's a great question. And it's a difficult one. Um, you said that when, what are some red flags that signal it's time to bail in a business? You know, I'm pausing uh, on this question because I think that it's such a subjective and a case specific um, that is very hard to say red flags. Obviously, if you run out of money, you don't have a choice, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You run out of money, you're like, oh, well, and it's gone. <laughs> so like many things in life and going back to my theme, the success and fail, you only half of it is within your control. So right. the, the part that is within your control is a balance between how much do you truly believe in this and that you really are enjoying doing this. If those two things combined are there, then I would say do it until things outside of your control require you to no longer move forward. But to give you an example, before joining AngelList, I actually had been running a nonprofit uh, that I was very emotionally attached to. And it's a uh, nonprofit that aggregate people's capital to finance uh, underserved uh, or poor children in Asia, and particularly in Vietnam, where my family immigrated from. Uh, so that, hey, $100, you you know help pay tuition for eight kids uh, in, in first or second grade. But uh, when uh, the opportunity came to join Angelist, uh, I was looking at it and saying, hey, I'm not, not only that I 
am not necessarily the best person to be doing this because I don't have a broad network in Vietnam. And secondly, the traction that I was seeing after two and a half years didn't get to a point that I had strong conviction that I can win this game. And look at AngelList, which is also extremely mission aligned with what I believe in. Uh, and so I decided to fold that nonprofit and instead, you know, join AngelList as its first general counsel. So in short, a uh, short answer is that I think it's up to, uh, to you whether or not you think you have what it takes uh, and willing to to go the the, the entire journey uh, and i think when you start to lose that conviction it's time to really think twice one of the best pieces of advice i ever got was someone who told me that the war is won in the preparation phase and that has stuck with me throughout my entire life and just about everything i do from here on forward um, i was always kind I of know. a careful person but that really really put me over the top What's a rule of thumb that has helped guide you as you're building your businesses over the years? Uh, I have uh, not over the years because I've uh, you know I definitely have changed uh, quite a bit. I hope for the better, uh, and uh, you know just at the time where I'm sitting down and write the values and culture for Republic, we actually have never done it formally, uh, and there are two two things. Um, one is that um, you know the excellence and all of that everyone's you know strive for it. So, so I don't think that they should be defining elements, um, but that you really gotta fundamentally enjoy doing what you do, uh, and that includes you know traveling to nine different cities in two weeks and sleeping two hours a night. Yeah. <laughs> the moment that you believe that it's a sacrifice or that somehow this is just you know temporary suffering, uh, it, you're not doing yourself or anyone else uh, a service. So uh, um, so I think that's 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 key. Uh, and the second one is uh, this: I'm actually copying from someone. But I can't remember who who said that. I call it the three snake rules. One is that if you see a snake, kill it. You don't write a memo about it. You don't call a meeting about it. You don't talk about it. Just kill the damn snake. And one's, and the second one is that you don't go back and look at a dead snake. Don't poke at it. Don't play around with it. Just move on. And the third one is that every good um, idea and all of the elements that make a company successful at the outset all look like snakes. So you got to be, you know, give it a, a, an, an open view on how you look at things that are right or wrong in any I particular. love that. That's awesome. I've never heard that one before, but that that's a truism if I've ever heard one. Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard that either. Thanks for sharing that. No, my, my pleasure. I think I, I can't remember who said it either, but it's just been, uh, I think that's what uh, we're trying to apply at Republic as well. <laughs> so, so I have, um, you know, we only have a couple more questions here for you and I don't want this one to be too tricky, but let me, let me first start off by saying, I want you to teach us something new about the world of financing from your point of view. And basically we just want to know something that the average person doesn't. Maybe it's like a cool little formula or some type of truism that you've relied upon. Um, but what's really, what's one thing from financing that the average person doesn't know? There are a few. I would love to. Um, one thing that most people outside of a startup or venture investing don't realize is that 
the most well-known successful venture capitalists, eight out of 10 investments that they make return zero dollars. So they invest in each of these companies thinking that it's going to be big, but statistically, the vast majority of them will not work out. So even if you believe in something wholeheartedly, try to diversify that investment into a number of companies, competitors in that space, because over time, no one knows which one is going to be the winner. Uh, and the same is about blockchain technology as it may be about drone or e-commerce, uh, quite, quite for that matter, about Republic. Uh, we obviously hope to be, you know, the Amazon for private investing down the road. But diversification is not just, you know, a, a thing that indeed m- vast majority of investments made by venture capitalists return zero dollars. They win just by one out of 10 or two out of 10 returning a huge multiple. Wow. That's an astounding statistic. Uh, Wow. Cool. Um, okay. So just a couple more questions here. Um, this is one of my favorite questions to, to answer, to, to ask every guest that comes on the show, but it, it just provides a little bit of color into, you know, how you've been formed as a person. Um, so who is one person in the crypto space that you really admire? I got to say Naval Ravikant because he got me into a crypto. I bought my first Bitcoin before I interviewed with him because I know that he is a big fan of blockchain technology. Uh, and I kept whatever I bought then. Uh, but I do think that he views... Um, the world and particularly uh, distributed ledger technology with such a uh, a far view that that um, I yeah I I do admire uh, his vision a great deal. We we are personally also big fans of Naval. So if you still have that connection, we would love an introduction. Uh, we'd love to bring him on the show. Oh, for sure. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll ask him. I, I know that he also has his own podcast, but I have no doubt that, that uh, when he next time he's in San Diego, I'll, I'll uh, make sure to connect you guys. Amazing. Thank you so much. And Kendrick, the last question we have is the same question we ask everyone. You know what it is. If this is the first podcast that someone who's getting into the space had heard, what would you want them to know? The world is moving at a pace that is faster than any one of us can expect. And this technology in particular, will be more impactful than the internet itself. So you only have two choices. Either you're going to just listen to this podcast and do nothing about it, or listen to it and participate, tiny, small bet, to make sure that if things mature, that you didn't miss out on something that you had the opportunity to to participate. So I think get in in a sensible way, get on the bandwagon. And at the end of the day, you're not going to regret losing $100 in 10 years, but you're going to regret if you had you invested that $100, it would have become 10000 and you didn't do anything about it. So uh, participate, don't hate. <laughs> really? That's right. As Pomp says, get off zero. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely brilliant. Kendrick, thank you so, so, so much for taking the time. And uh, I hope to see you soon. And I hope to bring you back on the podcast one of these days. And, and I wish you much success on your world tour. Thank you so much, Bryce and Aaron. Really appreciate it. And uh, really hope to get to see you in San Diego and be back on the, the show soon. 
Our pleasure. Whenever you're in town, we'll take you out for some pizza. <laughs> Thanks, my man. And don't forget to go to Crypto2020Summit.com and sign up. And I say don't forget because everyone is going. It is free. It is going to be the largest conference of the year. It is designed to include everybody. So don't be the only one who misses out. Crypto2020Summit.com Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.